Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew 18. And as you're, as you're opening your Bible to Matthew 18, I'll kind of introduce uh, our series, introduce what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, I was told this was not a good night to use my hands when I speak, but I, I'm like an Italian. You know, what do you call an Italian with no hands? Mute. You know, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm part Italian because I just have to use my hands when I speak, so I'm going to do my best. Um, as, we're, as we're getting into this new series, we're doing a series called Hot Topics. And pretty much every topic on this series is something that you as a student, as a teenager, um, it's, it's a big part of your world. Uh, these are issues, unfortunately, though, that don't often... They don't often find their way into like maybe what we'd call like um, a church setting as far as hearing what God has to say or hearing what the Bible has to say about it. Um, So as we're going through some of these, I realize that some of these, that's why I said honest conversations on touchy subjects. Um, I've had people ask me, Matt, why in the world are we talking about this stuff? Um, It's because unfortunately for some of you, this is like the regular everyday conversation um, in, in the hallways where you walk. Um, so that's, you, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about four subjects that maybe some would consider to be touchy. They all, I feel like, really in, you know, involve a lot of what you're going through. Hey, guys, look up here, okay? This is a serious, this is a serious one tonight. So first week, we're, tonight, we're going to be talking about pornography. Next week, we're going to be talking about social media. Um, the week after that, we're going to be talking about depression. And the final week, um, final week of February, it's all through February, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Um, each of these, we're not just going to, you're not going to hear Matt McClay's opinion on, um, because really, um, whether you care what my opinion is or not, my opinion is irrelevant. We're going to talk about what God has to say about it. And tonight, as we get into the first one, um, we're going to be talking about pornography. And Matt, why in the world are we going to be talking about pornography Before we jump in, I just want to kind of give you, not that most of you would need a definition of what pornography is. It's actually a hotly contested topic, by the way. There was a case that was brought before the Supreme Court that had to do with pornography, and um, it it all revolved around the question, what is pornography? And the Supreme Court justice said, I can't define it, but I know it if I see it. And that was like kind of a big quote. I cannot remember for the life of me the Supreme Court justice's name, but the case was in 1984. Anyway, non- important political fact. Um, Here's our definition of pornography that we're going to be working from. Um, And it's kind of a very broad definition. Um, Media that describes or displays what should only be shared between a husband and wife. Um, You can kind of fill in the blanks there, um, but that's kind of the definition that we're going to be working from. And here's the reason why we're talking about it tonight. I want to share some statistics with you. Most of these statistics are five years old. It was just at the beginning of when yeah, so it's 2019, this was in 2014. This is right when teenagers started using smartphones. You know, when the cost of smartphones went way down, you know, and, and this is just when every teenager started getting an iPhone. So most experts believe there's a new survey going to be coming out soon that these statistics are going to be even higher than they are now. But here are some statistics that to me were, were shocking. Um, nine out of ten boys, six out of ten girls are exposed to pornography before the age of 18. The first exposure to pornography among boys is 12 years old. So here we are. Um, to be in the youth group, you have to be 12 years old. So the average boy, average guy in our youth group, it's not necessarily that you sought it out, 
but this is something that you've been exposed to. 71% of teens have done something to hide their online activity from their parents. That doesn't necessarily mean pornography, but um, they say a lot of that encompasses that. So pretty much three out of every four in you, of you here in the room, you know, you've done something to hide your online activity from your parents. 20% of 16-year-olds, 30% of 17-year-olds have received a sext. Someone has sent a self-made pornographic image to you. And I would venture to say that one is a lot higher <laughs> than it was five years, a lot higher than it was five years ago because I hear what you guys have to deal with. What are the consequences? I mean, porn has proliferated into our lives. It's, it's, it's everywhere. What are the consequences of this? Is this just kind of like a harmless thing that every teenager just gets into and you know, one day they'll grow out of it? No, it's not. Um, there's some really interesting research on it and um, there's, there's a whole website I'm more than one website. <laughs> don't just base everything off one kooky website. You know, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> don't do that, right? Uh, yeah, um, footnotes are your friend. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a whole science where scientists have started studying, and they've learned that porn rewires your brain. Uh, one of the things that we've been learning, especially in our area, as this drug, drug ec- epidemic has swept through our area, is that the, the mind of an addict, the brain, like the literal physical brain of someone who is addicted, their brain becomes rewired, with, you know, and it has to do with reward centers and, and activities to where they, it's, it's almost as if they have no choice. And their brain is rewired to where they have to have that drug and they have to have that drug and they have to have that drug. And it has to do with amounts of, 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 a, of a chemical called dopamine that's released as that person ingests that drug. Scientists have discovered that that same chemical that's released by the brain when an addict takes drugs is the same chemical that is released in the brain when someone who is addicted to pornography views a pornographic image. And they say that your mind, your brain, is, is made up of millions of neurons that fire and fire and fire and fire. And they come up with these, you know, neurons find the fastest pathway from one part of the brain to the other. And that the more someone consumes pornography, that the more those connections in the brain between the reward center and the viewing of pornography are hardwired. Have you ever walked the same path through your yard over and over and over again? And you walk it the first time, and you know, there's no, you, know, you walk through the grass, and you look back, and it's obviously, you know, there's no sign that you walk through the grass. But you do that, you walk that same path every day, it starts to wear the grass down, and you keep walking it, and it starts to kind of, it becomes a well worn path. That's what happens in your brain when you continue and continue to, to view pornography. And according to statistics, the number, the, the number five website on the internet, this includes Google, Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, the number five site in the world as far as traffic is a, is a pornographic website right now. Um, so, so people are going back to it and going back to it. And there are people, there are teenagers, and there are probably a lot of you in the room to where your brain is currently being hardwired rewired to become addicted to this, to, to this, what they call now the new drug. It's pornography. The long-term consequences are, are, are pretty sad. Um, 
it is not uncommonplace, it's not uncommon, I should say, to learn of someone where a father walked away from their, from his family because of an affair that he had, which started with an addiction to pornography. Pornography is a little more prevalent with guys than it is with girls. Um, so think about this, uh, ladies, nine out of the ten guys that you could possibly date could very well be addicted to pornography. Don't you think that has something to do with the culture that, that, that is rising up right now? Pornography rewires your brain, but unfortunately, we are being conditioned by kind of the world and our culture to think that it's no big deal, and it's had its effect. I saw this next statistic, and I just, I kind of went numb, and I just sat there and looked at it for a while. Among teens, you know, teens and young adults, when they were asked, what is something that is usually or always wrong, and they also asked the question, is this moral or immoral? Almost double the people your age thought that not recycling was more immoral than viewing pornography. I didn't know what to say about that. I didn't even know what kind of observation to make about that. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm all, yeah, I'm, I'm not against recycling and God is green. He created the earth. Um, so it's not that we should discount that, but my goodness, we've lost our way on this subject, and it's tearing lives apart. I probably don't need to say any more about the problem of pornography because, A, if you are someone who is addicted to pornography here tonight, you don't need me to tell you how addictive it is, do you? You don't need me to tell you what a problem it is. You don't need me to... to, to, to remind you of the shame that you feel. So that's not my, my purpose tonight. And then if you're someone who you haven't stumbled in this area, you haven't fallen into this, this addiction, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Um, because But for the grace of God, <laughs> we'll be there too. If you've never been faced with this before, first off, I think you should count yourself blessed. But secondly, I think you should prepare yourself to understand what God has to say about it. So wherever you kind of fall in those three categories, tonight this is kind of the, the message in a sentence or the lesson in a sentence, and it's this. Jesus picks up those who stumble. Jesus picks up those who stumble, and it's kind of one of those things that I'm going to repeat several times so that if you don't get anything out of this kind of lesson tonight, that you'll remember that Jesus picks up those who stumble. So let's, uh, we're going to dig into Matthew 18, and before we put this verse on the screen, I um, want to kind of build, there's a situation going on, and you know, we can't, sometimes people just kind of jump right into a Bible verse without looking at the situation that's going on around it, so that it's really hard to understand what, what, what the verse means, and this is one of those where there's a situation going around what Jesus said about people who stumble, and we need to understand the situation before we, um, before we can really truly interpret and understand what, what Jesus is saying about, about stumbling and about addictions. So in Matthew uh, 18, verse 1, it, it introduces the problem. The disciples come up to Jesus, and they ask him a question. They say, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples want to know Who's the most important? 
Who's the best Christian? Who's the K-Love bumper sticker driving around with, you know, um, wearing my Christian t-shirt? Um, Christian. You know, I got to know, am I more spiritual than Evan? Jesus, tell me. Between me and Evan and Avery, this little three musketeer group here, this bro group here, um, which of us is the most spiritual? I think it's me, you know, because I'm a youth pastor. So I'm, yeah, Jesus, tell me that when the kingdom comes, I'll be, the, I'll be greater than they will, right? I'll be the greatest. And usually when somebody comes with a prideful attitude towards Jesus, well, always, <laughs> this was always the situation in the Gospels. When somebody came with a prideful attitude towards Jesus, they left with their tail between their legs. And this is one of those situations because Jesus, when, 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 when the disciples come and ask that question, he calls a little child over to him, which I guess they just had a plentiful supply of small children who would, who would come to any adult who would call to them, which that's a dangerous situation, but, but I guess that's how it was back then. Um, but he, he called a child to him, placed the child among them, so I can just see this, you know, like, I, I'm really into just visualizing some of this stuff, so like, I should have brought a little child tonight. Uh, but he, he um, <laughs> I got one of those too, and I didn't bring it. Um, but, you know, he, he, ta- <laughs> he takes this child, you know, in the, in the, this is the situation, remember, we've asked this question. He takes this child, and he sets the child in between all the disciples. And this is, what he, this is what he says to the disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus answered their question by reminding them something they were still learning, is that you don't get into the kingdom of heaven by how great you are. You get into the kingdom of heaven by how great God is. And they missed that, and they forgot that. So Jesus takes this child to remind them, what can this child do? To be the greatest. Nothing, because he's a kid. Maybe he'll grow up and be the greatest, but right now he's a kid. And he said, you got to become like this child. You've got to be totally dependent on someone else. Some of you, I told the guys here, and this is a scary thought, some of you are five to ten years away from producing life on your own and taking care of another life. <laughs> like, 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 you know, <laughs> like, like some of you in ten years, you're going to be 27 and have a kid. Like, that's scary. But, um, Kids are totally dependent on their parents, especially when they're little, like this, like this kid. He says, you have to become like a little child. And when Jesus said that, it reminded us of some things. Um, and, and as he keeps going, we're going to read through the rest of this passage and make three important observations. So let's read through this. So he talks about the kid. I guess the kid runs off and plays. And then in verse 6, he turns back to his disciples, and he talks to them about children who stumble. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones... And at this point, you got to notice the shift because a lot of people miss this and they misinterpret this verse. He says, he qualifies what he's talking about when he says little ones. He says, if any of these little ones, those who believe in me. So now he's not talking about this like one particular kid. He's talking about anyone who believes in Christ because you have to become like a little child to believe in Christ. Are you, you, you follow me? Right? You have to become like a child. You have to depend on God to to, to become someone who follows Jesus and believes in him. If anyone causes one of these little ones, so one of you, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it will be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Ouch. Um, 
Then he says, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. He gets even more. Um, people think that Jesus was <laughs> this lovey-dovey guy, and he was. He was the ultimate love, but he, he had some hard things to say too, and this is one of those things. He said, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Ouch. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Ouch. It's better for you to enter life with one eye, patch the pirate, than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Whew. Gets a little better, okay? Gets a little more lovey-dovey here. Verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Verse 12, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones, that's you, that any of these little ones should perish. So Jesus says to me, I kind of, <laughs> this is the Matt McClay commentary on this. Jesus says something very, <laughs> very surprising, something very comforting. So let's look at what Jesus is saying here. The first thing that we learn through this is that even the strongest Christians stumble. And I put strongest in quotation marks, so you could assume the Dr. Evil air quotes on this one. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing that I, I think we, we err when we use this reference. There's no such thing as a strong Christian. There are, there's a strong God who holds on to Christians. There's a strong God who holds on to people. And I've got this picture of this kid who has just face-planted, probably because he's trying to walk down the steps while holding his iPad. Um, but if you've got a little, if you have a little brother or sister, you used to have one, you kind of remember how this was. When kids are young, like learning to walk, all the way up through like elementary school, they're the most uncoordinated animal creature things you've ever seen and when they run when they run it's a matter of time before they fall okay Addison's still learning to run like I don't understand the girl because like when like I can put music on and she'll dance and make me look like you know Carlton Banks you know and then she looks like this great dancer because she'll be doing like this thing you know and she she can move and she can you know, do the footwork and everything and that girl goes to run now she doesn't have a future in sports when she goes to run like I'm gonna have, when she gets in the youth group, I'm going to have to stop using her as an illustration. But when, when she runs, she barely bends her knees, and her feet are this far away from the ground. So when she runs, it's literally like this. <laughs> you know? And so, so I was, yeah, every time I walk, April, I watch her run, we're like, you know, holding our breath. Because we know, like, the smallest little thing could cause her to fall flat on her face. And it happens a lot. I mean, it happens a lot. Like, like, she was running down our hill a couple days ago, and I mean, I just, I, I knew she was going to fall, and somehow she didn't, but she falls all the time. And it probably happened to you when you were a kid. You get so daggone excited about something, you take off running, and your parents, you didn't notice this at the time, your parents were like this, you know, and bam, you went flat on your face because kids stumble. And Jesus compares us to kids because you may be in high school and you may, may be mature academically and, and, and emotionally, but the fact is we're all prone to stumble. 
Why is that? Well, you can see it in this passage here. There are three reasons why we are all very prone to stumble. and has everything to do with the war that goes on in your heart and in your mind and in your soul every day when you wake up. First thing, look at verse 6. It says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble. There may be people in our life who lead us astray. There may be people in our life who introduce us to things like pornography. But behind that may be person who is a bad influence on us. There is someone who has the worst plan for us. And his name is Satan. He's the enemy. He's known under several names, none of them positive, obviously. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the deceiver, the liar. He's also compared to a roaring lion who walks about seeking who he may devour. And can I tell you, Satan has figured it out. You know, scientists now are just figuring out this brain thing with porn. Satan He knew this a long time ago. And while we celebrated when we got our smartphones, I feel like, and I'm I'm not against smartphones, by the way, I feel like Satan celebrated too because he thought this is another tool I can use to lead people astray, to wreck people's lives, and to get into people's minds. And my goodness, does he ever. You want to know how I know that Satan... Is, 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 is working in pornography. Because some of you have talked to me about this. And how all you can think about is seeing that pornography and that as soon as you see it, you feel ashamed that you did it. That's classic vintage Satan. Satan lures us in by telling us what we think we need and we have to have and we want. And as soon as we pounce on it, he comes back around and he heaps on the shame because he's the accuser of the brethren. So you better believe Satan is behind this pornography epidemic in our, in our world. The second thing we, th- we see, verse 7. It says, woe to the world. By the way, this woe is not a good woe. It's not W-H-O-A. <laughs> it's W-O-E. Like, like the good woe, W-H-O-A, is like, whoa! You know, this is woe. You know, it's, it's a different woe. It, it means judgment. It means shame on you. It says, woe to the world who cause, because of the things that cause people to stumble. When sin entered our world, It took the mere reverse image that Satan has of everything, good thing that God created, and it turned it around. Our smart, somewhere in this room is my phone and my watch, (laughs) and I don't know where they are. Um, But are our phones evil? No, they're not evil. God created the science and the technology that we adapted to make these smart devices. But the world takes what God created for our good and for his glory, and it turns it into something that's sinister. And my goodness, has the world ever made it easy for us to get a hold of pornography? I was telling the guys 10, 15 years ago, if you wanted to view pornography, you had to seek it out. You had to walk into a store and leave with a magazine in a brown paper bag with it. 
today, you don't have to seek out pornography. Pornography seeks you out. Some of you were just scrolling through your social media feed, and there it was. Some of you were researching something on, on Google, and there it was. You didn't have to seek it out because it's there. We live in a system. You can't even walk, you can't even walk like down the aisles of the mall now without seeing like partial pornography. It's like, I'm pretty sure you were trying to sell clothes at your store, and if you're trying to sell clothes at your store, why do you have pictures of people that don't have any clothes on? Like to me, like I'm no marketing expert, but uh, hello, McFly, you know? So, but, um, but anyway, we live in a, in a world and in a system that pulls us in. So our enemy is Satan, our enemy is the world, and then here's the thing, and this is why we can't really blame Satan and we can't blame the world. The enemy isn't just Satan who's trying to deceive us. It's not the world that's around us. It's our flesh that's inside us. You ever do something and you quickly realize that sometimes you're your own worst enemy? Read this. Verse 8, this is, this is the graphic, you know, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Uh, verse 9, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. It's not just Satan, it's not just the world, it, it, it's our flesh. And here's why, here's why I, I warn those of you who have not fallen into this trap yet, that you need to be on guard. Because some of you have benefited so far from being surrounded by some really good rules and restrictions. You don't think they're good, but some like, some, some like very smart rules and restrictions that your parents have placed on you regarding the content you can see to try to protect you from the world. And, you know, you may not like it, but, you know, for the most part I say, hey, you know, kudos to your parents. But here's the problem. Your parents can protect you from the world. They cannot protect you from yourself. Because the enemy's not just out there. It's in here. And once your brain is rewired, it's tough to beat it. So, those of us who think we can't stumble, we need to be careful because even the strongest Christians stumble, especially in this area of pornography. We got the hard part done with. It's time to get, it's time for the good part. You ready for that? I mean, it's all, the Bible's all good. It's time for the uplifting part. Are you ready for the uplifting part? Or do you want to just end there with plucking your eye out? Let's keep going. I'll answer that for you. Look at verse 10. And this is the next thing that we're going to learn. God's grace is greater than your sin. I don't want you to leave feeling shame. I want you to leave with a big picture of how great God's grace is. Read verse 10. It says, see that you don't despise one of these little ones. It's talking about you. Remember, you're the little ones. <laughs> whether you're big or whether you're little, you're a little one. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Satan is out trying to deceive us. There, there's a battle in the unseen realm. I don't know if you realize it or not. But even though Satan and his, his demons are trying to deceive us and trying to take us down in this area, look at this. These little ones have angels in heaven. God is protecting you through the Holy Spirit inside you if you're a believer. And also, you've got angels and let's remember, you, you know my rant about angels. I won't go on it tonight, but angels are not these like, you know, you know super cute, you know, cabbage patch kids. Anytime you see an angel in the Bible, the person's reaction to the angel is, ah! Because angels were fearsome, mighty warriors of God. I'd rather have a fearsome, mighty warrior of God protecting me than a cabbage patch kid. 
as cute as they are, right? So you have been, you have these fearsome angels of God who are protecting you. So God gives us protection, and that's grace, right? He doesn't have to do that to people who have turned their back on him, but he does. Keep reading. He, he poses a question through a parable. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you, he's happier about the one sheep than the 99 who didn't wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. First thing that I think we should learn about this and how great God's grace is, is that God sees us. You know, some of you, this pornography addiction has gone totally undetected by your parents. You know, your parents were the ones, when they found out I was talking about pornography, they thought, I don't know if my teen needs to hear about that because they've never even seen it. And meanwhile, you know what's going on in your life. Some of you, maybe your parents are just pretty busy with everything they got going on, and they, you, the, the you that, that, that they think they know is not the real you, and you know the real you, and you think nobody else knows the shame that you live in, but look, your father sees you. God sees you. Whether nobody else sees you or not, God sees you, and that's grace. I lost my place. As we keep going, Jesus is pictured as the shepherd, and this is, you know, kind of the this is, you, know, you could call it, I guess, the reckless love song, right? Um, but there are actually two parables that Jesus told that have to do with the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep and finding the one who's lost. This one has to do with people who are believers. The other one in Luke chapter 19 has to do with people who are unsaved and people who are lost. He tells this parable twice with two different applications at two different times, by the way. Some of you, yeah, that, that, that's, that was news to me too. Um, so, but look what he, look what he says. It's, it, most of us, you know, 99 is good enough. Yeah, 99, you know, when I see that, you know, Germex, you know, and it says kills 99.9% .9 of like virus causing germs or whatever, I'm like, that's pretty good for me. I'm going to lather that stuff on because I've been touching a lot of snotty-nosed people tonight, you know, and, and I trust that and that's good, but, you know, 99.9 .9 is not good enough for a holy God, is it? For a perfect Savior, it's not good enough. And even though you may feel like if, if people knew the things that you've seen and the things that you've watched, they'd never want to have anything to do with you, God has seen every image you've looked at, every snap that you've sent, and he still pursues you. Wow. Talk about grace. Do you see yourself for who you are in Christ? I wrote this down because I want to make sure I said it right. Because I think a lot of us, you, you may feel defeated in this area. Every defeat, and this, this is going to, we're going to repeat this quote every time, in every one of these situations, because I feel like in each of these situations, people feel defeated. Every defeated Christian has one thing in common. They've all forgotten who they are in Christ. They've all forgotten about the shepherd who is pursuing them. 
So God's grace is greater than your sin. And here's the final, the final one, and this is a super easy one. And this is a short one. You're not alone. You are not alone. This is going to be a theme we repeat also through this series, is that you are not alone. You were not designed to live life alone. You were not designed to beat sin alone and to live this Christian life alone. And I love what our pastor has been doing on Sunday mornings to emphasize the importance that I need you, you need me, we need each other. He brought the church into our lives because that's how the Christian life is meant to be lived. Read verse 15 if you keep reading. We're doing a Bible study here tonight. Keep reading. Verse 15, it says, if your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. And it goes on to talk about steps in which we should deal with if we know of a brother or sister in Christ who has fallen, who has stumbled into sin. We were not designed to live the Christian life outside of accountability. And you notice how he starts? He said, it should kept, be kept between the two of you. you know, it, 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 if we come to understand that somebody we know, maybe because I'm hoping this opens up the dialogue and that and the people, yeah, those, those people who are struggling with pornography go and seek help, and help is found by talking to someone. You know, ideally, this should be your parents. Um, but maybe you need to talk to, to talk to a leader, you need to talk to someone. It should always be kept confidential. If we want to restore someone from the sin that they're, that they're experiencing, the last thing we need to do is say, hey, Avery confessed his sin to me, so I want to tell Christian, Evan, Sydney, and Abby. And I'll call it a prayer request, but we know it's not a prayer request. You know, <laughs> um, please pray for Brother Avery, you know. No, it should be kept just between the two of you. And the goal here is restoration. There are several other parables that Jesus uses that have to do with people coming around someone who is struggling and helping them. And the Holman Bible commentary, not related to our friend, um, brother Mike Holman, but the Holman Bible commentary said it like this. When we read this chapter, <clears throat> this chapter, sorry, my voice cracked. When we read this chapter carefully, we realize that the little children, the lost sheep, the sinning brother, and the indebted servant, which we don't get to tonight, are different ways of referring to fellow believers in the church who are in need of restoration. You're not alone. We're accountable for the people that are in our group. You know, verse 7 says, says some pretty strong things about those who cause people to stumble. So I've got to ask, are you causing someone to stumble into pornography? Are you recommending shows on Netflix that are pretty much softcore porn to others and watching it with others? Are you liking accounts and posts on Twitter and Instagram that pop up on other people's news feeds? I just gotta, just gotta ask. We shouldn't despise or shame people who have fallen into sin. Look at verse 10, it says, see that you don't despise one of these little ones. He's talking about little ones who have stumbled and little ones who have fallen. You think someone who is addicted to pornography needs you to shame them? They've got more shame than they can handle. They need you to restore them. We should always be joining Jesus on his mission of restoration. So where do we go from here, Matt? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, these are four action steps that I put on the Refuel app. 
You can jot them down if you want to, but just think through these, the, these action steps. I called it pulverizing pornography because I'm into alliteration. And if you want to pulverize pornography, I came up with, you know, I always alliterate them. I came up with four F words tonight. And this is the first one. Fiercely, physically, remove the causes of temptation. Yeah, what Jesus said seems a little rash, doesn't he? He says, yeah, if, you're, if your hand offends, you cut it off. If your foot offends, you cut it off. If your eye offends, you pluck it out. Well, <laughs> you know, is Jesus really saying to do that? No, that's called hyperbole. It was a mnemonic device. A mnemonic device. Jesus was dropping dank memes 2,000 years before you were. It's a mnemonic device. He, he used it to get your attention and remind you of something. And what he's saying is you should physically remove the causes of temptation. Can I, can I translate this verse into a 2019 version? What if it was said like this? If your phone offends you, your smartphone causes you to stumble... Trade it out for a flip phone. It's better to enter heaven with a flip phone than hell with a smartphone. What do you think? They still make them. You know, your grandpa, he's pretty proud of it. He shows it off at Thanksgiving that he still has a flip phone. Right after he talks about the holes in your jeans, right? Um, right? So... Some of you, and here, here's a practical thing. Some of you, you need to dock your phone when you go to bed in the living room instead of your bedroom. Some of you need to have a self-imposed rule or maybe even talk to your parents. Yeah, this is, this is intense, but it's better than plucking your eye out. Talk to your parents about having a rule about how you only have your laptop in public places and you don't take it into your room. If you really want to pulverize pornography, you have to fiercely, physically remove the sources of temptation. Next one is filter the world's access into your life. You know the things that can cause you to stumble? If you're addicted to pornography and trigger those responses in your brain, can be maybe shows that aren't necessarily pornographic in nature, but they are pretty racy. I was getting my MTO at Sheets. And I look up, and there's this, like, on TV, right as sheets, like, these two people rolling around. I'm like, why do we have to show this as sheets, right? Filter the world's access into your life. Accept forgiveness from the Father. God wants to forgive you. Accept his forgiveness. And the final thing is, find and enlist help. Remember what I told you? You're not alone. You're not alone. You've got leaders who, even though this is a kind of a touchy subject and we don't like to talk about it, we love you enough that if you need to talk about it with you, the leader, we'll talk about it with you. If you need to talk to your parents and you're afraid of the way that they're going to react, I'll go talk to your parents with you. Find someone. We're going to pray and get out of here. Before, before I pray, can all the leaders just stand so you know where the leaders are? Like, you know who the leaders are. Like, all of us youth leaders. If you need to talk to somebody, we're here. We're here. Um, so let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Um, Father, thank you for bringing us together tonight. God, thank you for your grace, especially in talking about such a touchy subject. God, I pray for people who are maybe have fallen into addiction to this, have been tempted by this. God, that they'll be able to find freedom in you. 
Um, God, I pray that you'll protect us all because there is an enemy without and within that is trying to get us to stumble. I pray that we'll become little children who will entrust ourselves to the mercy and the grace of a heavenly Father who loves us and pursues us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.